contemplations before chanting. The Sangha is invited to come back to our breathing so that the collective energy of mindfulness can bring us together as an organism, flowing as a river with no more separation. Let the whole Sangha breathe as one body, listen as one body, chant as one body, transcending the boundaries of a delusive self, liberating us from the superiority complex, the inferiority complex, and the equality complex.
you, Sangha. Today is the 23rd January 2014. We are in the still water meditation hall of the Upper Hamlet in the winter retreat 2013-2014. Can you hear clearly? You do. You do with that. We know that after the Buddha become enlightened, he continued to practice. He said he practiced sitting meditation every day, practiced walking meditation every day. And now and then, he wanted to have a few weeks uh, to be in solo retreat. Sometimes he's in solo retreat for three months. And we ask the question, why, uh, why did he already become enlightened but continue to practice? Why is he already become a Buddha and continue to practice walking, sitting, uh, looking deeply, uh, so in being in solo retreat or eating inside, eating, um, practice eating. And the answer, our answer, Plum Village answer is very simple. You have, uh, wisdom, you have, uh, happiness, but if you don't know how to nourish them, then, then you will lose that insight, that happiness because everything is impermanent. So, so even though we can generate happiness, we have already generated insight, but, but if we don't make, but we have to continue to uh, nourish this uh, insight and this happiness uh, continue to to use this insight. It's called um, conditioning. So that's why the Buddha continues to practice so that he doesn't fall into the state of um, lacking shortage of happiness and insight. There's a father He's almost a hundred years old, lives in New York. He's very famous. This father, a priest, a priest, his name is Daniel Berrigan, very famous poet. I met this uh, Daniel, Father Daniel, in 1968. When Thai went to the U.S. to call for the cessation of the war in Vietnam, and Father Berrigan um, is one of is one of those active people for peace, and the two have become uh, good friends. They have sat Thai and him sat together and have sharing on the topic of war and peace. 
Father Berrigan went to France and practiced with Thai for three months. Practiced uh, sitting meditation, walking meditation, and looking deeply. And the two have sat together every day to exchange their experiences of the practice. And Father Barry can brought a recorder. He recorded our, all the conversations between the two of us. And when he came back to the U.S., he, he wrote uh, a book from the conversation and he, um, The, the raft is not sure is the name of the book, and it's um, written. He put down the title of both of them, and that the raft is only used to go to the other shore, but the raft is not the shore. And that this book is still uh, is still in circulation, and Thai doesn't know if it's it has been translated into other languages. And the first time Thai met uh, Father Berrigan, he didn't. Father Berrigan did no walker meditation. And one day, Thai invited uh, Father Berrigan to go to Central Park for walking meditation, and Thai told him, no walking, no talking, just walking. And Father Berrigan is very tall, much taller than Thai. His two legs are very high, and that one of his steps is like two of Thai's. And then, and then a few steps, they start out together, but a few steps, he's like way in front of Thai. And then when he turns around, he doesn't see Thai next to him, so he stops and waits for Thai. And Thai does not rush, didn't rush. Thai walked slowly, but in his pace, he was determined to walk slowly and mindfully, because Thai knows that if he does not know, if he doesn't, it isn't he practice he can get lost and carried away you know society that that everything is very fast and very rushed so Thai is very determined to use his steps and breath otherwise Thai will lose himself in the society and get carried away by the society so he didn't he so Thai was just walking in his own pace. He didn't try to comply with Father Berrigan. And so Father Berrigan would walk uh, seven or eight meters in front of him and would wait for him until, until Thai catch, catched up. And then they continue to walk together again, but then he's always in front of Thai again. But when he came to Plum Village, he learned uh, the practice of walking meditation, and he was able to walk slower. In one year, uh, Father Berrigan cre um, created a, a piece of work called um, The Psalms. So it's um, a book called Understanding the Psalms. And he wanted Thai to read, write a preface for that book, a foreword for that book.
And when Thay read this book, his Thay sees that his thinking is still still carry a, a dualistic view. That a wholesome and the unwholesome are fighting each other, and that there's no that there's no that that he didn't see the relationship an intimate relationship between the wholesome and the unwholesome. That he doesn't see that they they the wholesome and the unwholesome rely on each other to manifest, and that the wholesome is the enemy the, of the unwholesome, and the unwholesome is the enemy of the wholesome. Just like, just like the suffering is the enemy of the happiness, and Thai was able. Thai saw that in in the writing in the book, but Thai cannot criticize the book. So Thai wrote a story about the Buddha and and Mara in in the foreword, because in our um, You know, usually thinking, we think that Mara and Buddha are the two aspects, two different things. One side is a destroyer, um, Mara, the destroyer. One side is a Buddha, is a compassionate one, and Mara is like a Saturn, and that Buddha is like God. And so they wrote, told a story that the Buddha uh, was in a solo retreat, and it was. Was the, and it was so the Buddha asked the Sangha to be in solo retreat for three months, and and the Sangha said okay, uh, Venerable Ananda will be uh, the Buddha's attendant, and so the Buddha found a cave and practiced in that cave. And every day, uh, the Venerable Ananda would go uh, begging for alms. And would divide his portion into two, one for him and one for the Buddha. And apart from sitting for sitting, uh, apart time for sitting and reflection, they they walk together. They practice walking, you know, walking together around the the cave. And one morning, the Buddha was um, in meditation, and the Buddha was the Venerable Ananda was outside of the cave, and he saw someone walking toward the cave. And and with the Buddha's, uh, with Ananda's intuition, he felt this is someone very familiar. And when he looked, he looked again. He realized it was Mara that was approaching. And so, so he wanted to hide. He wanted to hide somewhere so that Mara would not would not see anyone and would not approach. Uh, uh, would not approach the cave to disturb to to in to disturb the Buddha, but it was too late, too late. So, so it was too late because wherever the Buddha is, their tenderness, and so Ma- Mara came, uh, approached, approached, and he, Mara asked, "Venerable uh, uh, Ananda, is the?" Is your teacher there? And Buddha Ananda didn't want the Bu- Mara to see the Buddha because he still has he has discriminative mind, a dualistic view between Buddha and Mara. He wanted to lie 
he wanted to say, no, the Buddha is not there. The Buddha is, uh, went to some kind of meeting, conference or something. But lying is not, not appropriate for a bhikshu. And then uh, he said, why do you ask? And Mara said, I wanted to visit the Buddha. And Ananda said, go away, don't see the Buddha, don't visit the Buddha. You're not a friend of the Buddha, you're the enemy of the Buddha. Do you remember the time you, you tried to discourage the Buddha under the Bodhi tree? And the Buddha defeated you terribly? Do you remember? You're the enemy of the Buddha. The Buddha would not see you. Go away. He said that. And Ananda, has, Ananda has not has not has not seen the non-duality nature of the two of of the Buddha and Mara. And then when Mamara said that, he was like laughing, ha ha. Really? Your teacher said he has enemy? I thought he said he doesn't have any enemy. Why is it that he has an enemy now? And Ananda felt caught. Because if, if he said if his teacher has enemy, then he's really um, caught. So Ananda gave up. But before he let uh, Mara in, he said he, um, Anand was hoping that when he goes into the, that he goes into the cave to see the Buddha, uh, to ask if Mara, if Ma, if the Buddha wants to see Mara, then the Buddha wouldn't, may not accept him. But then when he came in, and he said to the Buddha that Mara wants to see the Buddha, and the Buddha said, Buddha, Mara, let him in. And uh, Ananda was really disappointed because he was hoping that the Buddha said, oh, ask him to go away. But the Buddha has a very bright mind. Mara is also a, pers- a person and that he's, also want to invite the Mara in. So Ananda was forced to go out there and ask, invite Mara to come in, even though he was really unhappy about that. When when Mara comes in, the Buddha stood up and welcomed Mara as if he was like a distinguished guest and asked Mara to sit down in a distinguished place and asked Ananda to go and get tea and water for, for Mara to drink. And Ananda was really unhappy about it. That to get a tea for the Buddha, he can do it 200 times a day. But for Mara, he didn't want to do it at all. He didn't want to get tea. But he cannot refuse because he's the attendant of the Buddha. So he had to re- to comply with the Buddha to get tea for Mara. And he was hoping that they would have a short conversation. But then, then, um, but then it turned out to be a really long conversation.
But while the two were having a conversation, Ananda was standing behind the Buddha. And he was really surprised because he, he, he found out that they were like best friends. And Buddha said, Mara, how has it been for you? How, how do you do? And Mara said, not very well. What happened? The Buddha said. And Mara said, nowadays, my disciples, my, they're not listening to me anymore. They want to um, rebel. Before they, they complied everything I said, but now they, they want to rebel. Think now, nowadays, All my generals, all my generals, all my soldiers, all my disciples, they want to practice sitting meditation. They want to practice mindfulness. They want to practice walking meditation. They want to practice eating in silence. They want to protect the environment. They want to protect the earth. I'm crazy about this. Because Mara is not supposed to, not supposed to do all these things. I don't know who they got influenced by. <laughs> Dear Buddha, I'm just so tired to be a, a Mara. I want to be someone else. Um, don't think that being Mara is it's it's uh, it's lucky. To be the head of, to be a head of, uh, and and the Buddha laughed. The Buddha said, "Do you think being a Buddha is good?" <laughs> you think being a Buddha is good? Do you know that people say things that I have never said, and they said it's me who said them. They do things that I never had, I have never done or encouraged them to do, but they, they but they say that I encourage them to do. For example, in the past, things such as fame, position, um, sensual pleasure, I have let them all let let go of all of them. My position uh, as throne, my throne my beautiful wife, children, all the wealth, I let them all go so that I can find liberation. But now they come to the temple and they ask me for all those things. They don't ask for peace or joy, but they just ask for lots of wealth, position, that their children would um, would have good, uh, good grades in the examination. And, you know, they ask for things that I have already renounced. But things like, I teach them like liberation, peace, joy. They don't ask for those things. They built a big house and they said, it's my house. But it's only a place where people come and just offer food, banana, sweet rice, money, so that they can have those money to use themselves. 
And they make a lot of statues, statues of the Buddha. And people came, come to the temple and they, they stick all their money on my body. <laughs> and during Buddha's birthday, they put, they put my statue on a, a car and they just go through the city and my body would rock side to side. You don't know those kind of things. I didn't ever want to be on a car. Uh, so don't think that becoming a Buddha is good. Being a Buddha is good. You want to exchange my position? My place? And Ananda was so scared. Could you just imagine if the Buddha exchanged place with Mara and he had to be the attendant of Mara? He would die. So he was really sad. But luckily the Buddha said, Mara, you do your job. You have to do the best of your job. And I do my job. And I'm trying to do the best of my job. Nothing is easy. I know being a Mara is very difficult, but being a Buddha has difficulty too. So, but each one of us have to play our role to the best that we can. So that we can, so that we can realize our deep aspiration. And after that, the Buddha Uh, bu the Buddha uh, recite the gata for Mara to hear. So if you want to know this gata, you have to look for this book. And this gata is to to uh, to try to um, share with the Father Berrigan that we have to transcend to transcend the duality and that we have to transcend the uh, duality between wholesome and unwholesome, good and evil. Just like in the in a play, there's always the the antagonist and protagonist. And that the antagonist just always play his role and uh, um or the protagonist also needs to play his role because without one of these roles there will not be a story. There will not be a play. And so we have to be, we have to play our role and that we're not enemies. We are partners. We're not enemies. And this is, this is the non-dualistic view between good and evil, wholesome and unwholesome, suffering and happiness, the pure, purity and the impurity. And in Vietnam, people, Um, people have created a story that Mara is the object. Uh, Mara is the Mara is the subject of this earth, and that under the reign of Mara, there's a lot of war, there's a lot of violence, there's a lot of craving, and people suffer enormously. And and people said said if there's Mara, then there is the Buddha, and that. If there's Mara, the Buddha will come in and support us and help us. And so, 
there are people who have this inside of non-duality that if there's Mara, there's this Buddha, and that we should not be worried, and the Buddha will eventually appear. And so, uh, the, and that's the truth. One day the Buddha came, after he became enlightened, he came, he sat down uh, quietly, and Mara said, who is this guy who sat really quietly? And he, he didn't disturb the Buddha, he just allowed the Buddha to sit And then after the Buddha uh, practiced in meditation, he walked up, he stood up and walked, uh, walked mindfully, freely. And there's, he's not very, uh, not harmful. And after he practiced walking meditation, he sat down and Mara asked, who are you? Why are you here? And he said, uh, the Buddha said, I, I see that this is a beautiful place, beautiful scenery. The morning, the early morning is beautiful. The afternoon, the evening is beautiful. And I sit down and I calm myself and I see these beauties and it makes me so happy. I don't really need anything. I don't need to have any possession. I don't need to have possession of wealth or anything. I just want to ask you if all I need is to have the opportunity to sit still and to be able to walk on this beautiful planet. And Ma Mara thought, this is not very bad, not too bad, not, not a bad request. Okay, you can sit as long as you want, walk as much as you want. And then a few days later, and the Buddha asked, I have a few friends, I have a a thousand two hundred and fifty friends and they all want to sit and they all want to walk. Can we can we sit and walk on this on your territory? And Mara said, Sure. Um, anything but if you sit and and walk that's fine. And that day It was sunny, just like today. And Mara, Mara said, how much land do you want? How much acres of land do you want for practice sitting meditation and walking meditation? And back then they didn't have any measurement sticks. And then... And then the Buddha said, if you agree, I take off my Sangati rope. I have three Sangati rope. I, have the, I will take out the outer Sangati rope and I throw it up in the sky. I will throw up as high as I can. And if, if, that, if the shadow cast on the planet, on the earth by my Sangati rope, then that will be the land that I want to use for sitting and walking meditation. And Mara said, well, if, if it's a lot, it will be just a few miles. And then, and then the Buddha rolled up his Sangati rope and threw up in the sky. And the Sangati rope went up high and high and high up. And then it opens up and when it opens up, 
it, the shadow of the Sangati rope covers the whole planet. And so the Buddha and the, his disciples um, had, the, had the right to use the whole planet and practice walking and sitting meditation on the whole planet. In the past, they think that the planet is in a, it's in a, um, flat, it's flat and in a rectangular shape, a square shape. And that when the Sangati comes up in the sky, it covered up the whole place, the whole planet. And from then on, the Buddha and his disciples have the, the right to practice walking and sitting meditation, um, in the, in the territory of Mara. And this is not in the sutra. It's created by, um, by, by folks, by people. And from then on, uh, whenever the new year arrives, the lunar new year arrives, uh, people in those countries would put up a, a pool, a pool. And on top of the pool is a piece of the Buddha Sangati rope. And it's a reminder to say that this is not just the territory of Mara, but it's also the territory of the Buddha, and that we can have, we have the permission to practice, to practice sitting meditation, practice walking meditation. And that if we can do that, we can lessen the suffering on the planet and help to uh, increase the happiness. And from then on, the Buddha and the, his disciples can, can, can use all the places to practice walking meditation, dharma sharing. And this practice had helped uh, people to calm down, to understand and to love one another, and to reconcile with one another. And so from then on with this practice, the world had, had lessened the suffering enormously. And that this is not just the territory of Mara, but also the territory of the Buddha. And so, when the new year, before the new year, everyone put up a pole um, with a with a little piece of Sangati rope on the twenty third, um, a week before the new year, in every family. So now in Vietnam. Every family put up this pool with a little sangati rope um, on 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 it, and it's a reminder for everyone to practice, to generate happiness, and joy, and to to deal with their suffering, to transform their suffering. Because without this reminder, we will forget to practice, to eat mindfully, to walk mindfully to practice the trainings, and it becomes the territory of Mara, even if Mara agrees for us to practice. But if we don't practice, then it is still the territory of Mara. And so from the, for that week, from the, the week before the new year, it's time to reflect and to, to remind ourselves to practice and even the Buddha, after he's enlightened, he still needs to practice. So we still need, we, we need to practice. And so in principle, a week before, before the, the new year, that we have to remind ourselves that this is, 
that remind us of the practice and that to turn this place into the territory of the Buddha. But in Vietnam, also in China, people celebrate New Year for 10 days. Not, not like in the West when they just have one or two days to celebrate it. In, in, in Asia, we celebrate until the 10th of the New Year. This is pretty good um, because we have time to be with one another, to play with one another. But now in our society, people are very busy and they're forced to lessen these days from 10 to 3 days. And in Plum Village, we will practice 3 days of celebration, the first, the seventh, second, and the third. 4 days, 4 days, someone said 4 days. 4 days. So 4 hamlets, 4 days, so we have one extra day. So we will celebrate four days of uh, Lunar New Year. And so the pole is the practice of reminding us to practice mindfulness. That we have to know that if we don't practice, we don't practice the trainings, the precepts. If we don't practice sitting meditation, walking meditation, or loving speech, or deep listening, then our anger, our sadness, our anxiety, our fear, our, our revenge will grow. And, and the, the territory of the Buddha becomes the territory of Mara. So the, the pole with the flag is, has the function of reminding everybody that this coming new year, we have to practice to lessen our suffering and to generate more happiness. And that's the meaning of the, 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 the pole. And in Vietnam, the 23rd, which is today, they all put up their, an, a pole in front of their yard to let everybody know that this is the territory of the Buddha and that we need to practice so that it really becomes a territory of the Buddha. So after the Dharma talk, we will have a, a ceremony to put up the pole and we will chant uh, Namo Valakateshvara and we will put up the pole and you will see a piece of the Sangati rope on the, on the pole to remind us that we have to practice so that this place becomes the territory of happiness, of compassion, of insight. This morning we will not wa practice walking meditation, so instead of walking meditation, we will have the ceremony to put up the pole. And then after that, we will have uh, a flower market. We can visit the flower market. And this flower market is the purpose is to 
remind us that Mother Earth is very beautiful, and the, her beauty is the sound of mindfulness, the bell of mindfulness, to remind us not to worry, to despair, to chase after an idea of happiness. That we have to learn to、uh, come in touch with the the wonders in the present moment. Mother Earth is beautiful, even in the more early morning, with the fog or without fog, with the sun or without the sunshine, or with the moon or without the moon. Mother Earth is beautiful. Every time we open the earth at the door, we see we see the beauties of Mother Earth, and that the beauties of Mother Earth invite us to come back to ourselves, to the present moment, to live deeply the present moment. And so, the beauties of Mother Earth is the bell of mindfulness, and that the、um, the the expression, the beauties of Mother Earth is expressed in, through the flowers. It's creation of Mother Earth, and today we will learn how to make earth cakes. Uh, earth cakes are the food for for Asian people、um, during the New Year, and the bunting, the earth cake, has a very very good history, and it dated back to、um, the time of the King Hongwang the Second, and Hongwang the Hongwang the King. The first king of Hong Kong came from a very well of poor family, and he had there are eighteen kings together in this reign, in this dynasty. And the first, the first king had had twenty two sons, and and one of one of the twenty two、uh, king uh, the sons will become the second king. And that the the and the second king, he was very poor. Even though he's he's the son of the the king, but he's very poor. He doesn't he didn't live in the palace. He had to live outside. Because after he was born,、um, his mother passed away. And and the title for his sons was Guanglang. And and once now and then the king will gather all his son and teach them how to live in order to continue the beauties of their culture. And one day, one day before death,、um, the king gathered all his twenty-two sons and he said, "This for this new year, I want each one of my son." To prepare, to offer a dish, to offer to our ancestors, the ancestors, and on the day when they offer food to the ancestor, you have to bring that dish, your offering, that that the offering that you have to made it with your hands. To to express your your gratitude, your love towards the ancestors, and then we will sit down together and and eat.
we sit together to see once another's presence. Um, in short, in brief, the new year is an occasion for us to come in touch with our ancestors, to offer to our ancestors our gratitude. Because if trees have their roots, if river, rivers, if rivers have its source, then people too, people, we have our source. And that the new year is the occasion for us to come in touch with our ancestors. And the best way to come in touch with our ancestors is to come together and to offer offer uh, our ancestor a dish of food that we made with our own heart and hands. And and uh, and I will look at your dish and I will see your mind in it. And I will choose one among you to continue me as the king. And when in the sons this this son he heard this news he was very sad because he said his older brothers are very wealthy they can they can make really delicacies very very precious dishes and offering but for me i am very poor And he wanted to give up. He didn't want to be part of this. Um, he does eat very poor. He only has enough for his uh, daily survival, and he does not have uh, much to make a, a, a precious offering, a delicious offering. So. So he had the idea of withdrawing from this uh, contest. But that night, in his dream, he, he saw his mother. And his mother said, Don't, don't, don't give up. Look up in the sky. The sky is round. Look down in the earth. The earth is, uh, is square. And that in the sky, in the earth, you can find the gift that you can offer to the ancestors. If you can, if you look deeply at the round sky and at the the square earth, you can you can find this, and you can use you can use um, the sky and the earth to make an offering to your ancestors, and it will express your filial piety. But if you don't do this, then you will not have the. You will not. Um, um, you will not be able to offer and express your gratitude to your ancestors. And and then uh, he woke up. He woke up. He went out. He looked up in the sky and he looked down on the earth. And then, and then he had an idea that he will make two different kind of cakes to offer to offer to the ancestors. One cake is a round shape uh, made with uh, sticky rice. And the other one 
square shape made uh, uh, with uh, mung beans and sticky rice. And the good thing Good thing is that these materials are easy; is can easily find. That not only the wealthy people can find them, but no matter how poor you are, you can find these materials: the sticky rice and the mung beans. Sticky rice they can use can be used to make uh, the. The, the round the round cake represent the sky, and and it can be used to make a square shaped cake representing the earth with with mung beans inside. And so, the sun. He already he had an idea, and capacity to make these two cakes. Uh, he cooks the 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 sweet rice. And he make it into a round cake representing the sky, and he the others and the other one he soak the 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 sweet rice and the mung bean and he use them and make into a a square shape representing the earth, and so he's offering his heart his wisdom, offering the sky and the earth. And that these are things made from sky and earth, and that not just the well people are able to use make this, but also anyone, even the poor people, has the opportunity to to make an offering. And so these are really good. One is representing the earth, the other representing the the earth, the sky, and also the other is to express the gratitude. For every, everyone can do this. Not just the wealthy people. And so that day, he was able to realize that that those cakes. And that night, he had a dream, and he saw his mother, and his mother was like smiling at him, and he said, "You have done well." And on on that, on the New Year, he carried. The cakes to the king to present um, to the ancestor, and he has no complex. He had no complex about his being poor, even though he doesn't wear good, beautiful clothes. He's you no, know, he's not wealthy, but he he has his hearts and his wisdom. And when the the king home, the first. Inspect all the, inspect all the the dishes, the food offered by the sons, his sons. When he he came to this this uh, son, he was very impressed. He saw the cake, a round shaped cake and a square shape, and he asked uh, to be sure. He understood what it is. He asked who made this cake, and the son came and said, "I made this." And the king said, "Why do you make it into like a square in a circle, a round shape?" And he said, "And he said one is for the the sky, and the other one is for the earth." And he said, "Why do you use all this very simple material to?" And he said, "It's it's a it's." 
there are things that easily found on the on the earth and sky. And when the king heard that, he was very moved. And ap- a month after the month after this um, the new year, um, he he gave his throne. He transferred his throne to the sun that made uh, the earthquakes. Um, one represent the sky, one represent the earth, and from then on, the king um, gave an order to all his sons that a week before the new year, they all had uh, all had to come and to to make uh, cakes, to make food, to offer to the ancestor. So today, after we put up the poor and after we go to the market we will have lunch and after lunch we will gather together to make earth cakes and those who are good at making earth cakes will show us who are not so good yet we will create the atmosphere of um, of the king in the past a f- atmosphere of the family of a family and so, and we will learn how to make cakes if we don't know how to make cake yet. And we will create uh, brotherhood and sisterhood. And we will also express our gratitude to our ancestors. So the earth cake is made of uh, sticky rice and mung bean, and it will be wrapped. It's all organic. It will be wrapped in banana leaves. And this tradition is that when when we cook the 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 cakes it would take about 10 hours for them to be cooked and then we cook before uh, we cook on on the on the eve of new year and everyone in the family will gather around the fire the fire uh, to 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 sing, to talk, to build uh, brotherhood and sisterhood, to see that this we are we are one family, and this is how they celebrate New Year in Vietnam in the East, uh, making earth cake, uh, cooking earth cakes, uh, staying all night around the pots of uh, earth cakes, and to put the uh, more fi- more woods every night uh, throughout the night. To keep the the pot cook uh, the earth cake cooking, and after the earth cakes are cooked, we take the take them out, and the first earth cakes we offer we offer it to the ancestors, and everyone will touch the earth before the ancestors as an expression of gratitude, and that's the way the Vietnamese people celebrate that for 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 more than four thousand years. And we will do that today.
Now we will take out the dirty verses, <laughs> the sutras. Ten thirty. I said it's ten thirty already. When we look up in the sky, we see stars and moons. We also know that the stars and moon are the consciousness, a store consciousness. First of all, they are the object of consciousness because thanks to our consciousness, that we are aware of the moons, the moon and the stars. Their, their species, like oysters, that are in the depths of the sea. It, they don't see the moons, the moon and the stars, because these oysters they do not have eyes. They don't have ears. No eyes, no the no eye consciousness, no ears, and they cannot hear. There's no ear consciousness. And the the universe of the oyster is very small, much smaller than ours. We, thanks to our eyes and ears, that our universe are much bigger. The eyes and the ears are the organs, sense organs. And the things that we see, the oyster, oysters do not see. Just like we see the stars and moon, like the 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 surface of the water with the beautiful waves, the oyster cannot see that. The rising, the sound of the rising tide, the oyster cannot hear, because they do not have eyes and ears to hear and to see. So organs, sense organs, um, are conditions, are one condition to give birth to, to consciousness. Can object the object give rise to consciousness? And we know that in manifestation only teachings, 
both the organs, sense organs and and the object are both manifested from seeds. And store consciousness, it it maintains all the seeds, it holds all the seeds, and these seeds are manifested into organs, into organs, into objects. And when organs and objects are come in touch, with another, another, then they so from the seeds up to the organs and 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 objects. It be, it's the relationship between seeds and formation, um, the subject of manifestation and object of manifestation. And the sense organ and the object rely on each other to create to create consciousness. Consciousness. And this consciousness have has object and subject. This up this consciousness has the seen and the seen. And the uh, the hearing and the heard, and so it's divided. Store consciousness is divided into two. There's the subject, came from the subject, and the object, the object of consciousness. It's divided into two parts. They are divided into two parts. For it's so it's easy for us to understand, but it's incorrect. Just like this piece of paper, we distinguish that there is the the left and the right, and we say that the left is not the right. They are two opposite. The truth is. There's no right. That there is no left. There is no left. Then there's no right. And so the truth is that we cannot take one out of the other. Even though they're two two things, but they're not two separate things. That's called uh, uh, interbeing. That's called mutuality or symmetrical. Mutuality there, um, means that they're waiting for each other to manifest. Waiting, waiting to manifest together. That if they exist, they exist together. If they don't exist, that they don't exist together. Just like the, the good and the evil. Just like Mara, Buddha and Mara. Mara are the same. Without Mara, there's no Buddha. The truth is that 
there's no Mara, there's no Buddha, and no Buddha, there's no Mara. There's no, if there's no goodness, there's no evil, and if there's no evil, there's no goodness. This is the truth that we have to be courageous enough to embrace. That there's, if there's no lotus, there's no flower. I mean, there's no mud, there's no lotus. We cannot just want lotus without the mud. And there's, if there's no afflictions, there's no enlightenment. And when we look deep, look, look deeply like that, we transcend the the notion uh, of dualistic view. This is what we need to train ourselves to do. Suffering and happiness are the same thing. Uh, no one imagined that if there's no suffering, then there's no happiness. And that's thanks to the suffering that we can create happiness. Thanks to the mud that we can make uh, lotuses, that we can grow lotuses. And so two die waiting for each other. That if they exist, they exist together. If they don't exist, they don't exist together. So we, there is cannot be one thing existent. Um, just like the up and the da- the bottom, top and bottom, the long and short, there are there are pairs. This is called waiting for each other. Interbeing are, they are each other. At the, at the beginning we said the left is not the right. How can the left be the right? Because, but there, if there's no left, there's no right. If we cannot take one out of the other, even though they're not each other, but they are. They are each other. The interbeing means that they are each other. Just like Buddha and Mara, at the beginning we think there are two different things, they're enemies. But without Mara, there's no Buddha, and without Buddha, there's no Mara. And so Mara and Buddha R, into R. It's very difficult to accept. Just like the good and the evil. They're pairs of opposite. They are each other. They, and they, are they into R, into being. To be and in, to be and interbe. And waiting, doing die is waiting for each other to interbe. This is we need to train to accept. The left and the right inter are. At first, there are two separate things, they're enemies, they're opposites. 
they're asymmetrical. But the truth is that if there's no one, then there's no other. So we divide consciousness into the object and the subject, but the truth is that they cannot be separated from each other. And we have learned from the last talks that many scientists are still caught in this dualistic view that they think that there is consciousness, subjective consciousness. independent of the world out there. One is inside and the other is outside. They're subjective. One is subjective and the other one is subjective out there. And at the beginning, this inside, this is that there's a world with, there's a universe that is objective. Whether our mind is there or not, it's there. Many of us are caught in that view. The, the world outside, the universe outside is subjective. Whether we look at it or not look at it, whether we have consciousness or not consciousness, they're still there. And then there's the consciousness that the world the, the world, the objective world out there, whether they're there or not, the consciousness is still there. It's there. This is a dualistic view. And many, um, many scientists say that there is the subjective consciousness inside that goes outside and grasps on the objective world outside. And this is called double grasping. And so, when we look up in the sky, we see the moon and the stars and the Milky Way. We have to learn and train to see that that thing up there is not independent from our consciousness. It is consciousness. It is the object of, of our consciousness. And the object of consciousness and the subject of consciousness even though they're, they're two things, but they, they cannot be taken apart, just like the left and the right. This is the most important teachings in the manifestation only teachings, that we cannot take the object of consciousness out. We cannot take the subject out of consciousness. And that the universe, the moon, the stars, our consciousness. And so when we look at the object, we have to see the subject in it. And when we look at the subject, we have to see our object in it. When we look at the left, we have to see the right. Because, because things are waiting for each other to manifest. They inter-are. And we are learning store consciousness. Store consciousness stores all seeds. And we know that store consciousness 
is uncovered, unobstructed, and undetermined. Bofu means that they're not covered up. There is shining; it's not obstructed. And voki means it does not um, not they're not uh, either wholesome or unwholesome. They're neither wholesome or unwholesome. No, they're neither good or bad. They're neither pure nor impure. They're neither leaking nor non-leaking. In other words, Tang, store consciousness cannot be described with ideas uh, of goodness or evil, wholesome or unwholesome, being or non-being. Because store consciousness is 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 the is the ground is the foundation of our consciousness. When we look up in the see the moon and the stars, we it's our store consciousness. The stars and the moon transcends ideas, our ideas. Now, among them, are ideas of goodness and evil. Pure and impure, being and non-being. Being and non-being, có không? Therefore, in principle, the seeds that uh, store consciousness holds and maintains. Also have the same nature. That are they are neither wholesome nor unwholesome, neither pure or no impure, neither being or non-being, neither leaking or non-leaking. This is the special uh, specialty of special teachings of manifestation only teachings. When we compare to the teachings of uh, the Creator and. Our idea of God. It's not the idea of everybody, but of many people. Collective uh, idea of many people that God is being. Because up until the twentieth century, there are many theologians who say that 
God is the foundations of being. God is the ground of being. And and therefore, therefore, we put God in the the side of being uh, that is opposing the the side of non-being. And there is a territory that is that does not belong to God, and that territory is the the non-being territory of non-being, because if God is on the side of being, then then God uh, has no reign in the side of non, non-being. And a collective uh, view is that God is on the side of goodness. God is goodness. So therefore, God is the is the is is um is the uh, God reigns over the territory of goodness, but in the the evil, someone else is reigning over it, and is and in and Satan, which is equivalent to Mara in Buddhism. Because of the idea that God is uh, is belongs to the territory of being and goodness, um, there were, there are just so many problems uh, in Christ in in the theology. If we, we people asked if God is the ground of being, then who is the ground of non-being? Then, then we put God down, put God down. We lower God's position or status. If God is goodness, then who uh, then then who belongs to to the the evil? If God is the ultimate reality, then God has to transcend both idea of being and non-being, goodness and evil. But if if we say God uh, is goodness, then we we lower, we put God down to a lotus, lower status, lower position. And in in Christianity, there are there are practitioners who can see this insight. They can see that they say that they 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 transcend the idea of being non-being, goodness and evil. Uh, while store consciousness, in the meanwhile, conscious store consciousness, 
holds everything. Uh, in it also stars and moon. Now we I say, are the moon stars good or evil? Is moon and stars are they on the side of goodness or evil? Are they on the side of uh, being or non-being? We can say that yes, we see that the stars are there, the moons are there. So the stars and moon belong to being. But the truth is, in Buddhism, it's very clear that that the ultimate reality transcends the view of being and non-being. Good and evil. The ultimate reality transcends I notions of being, non-being, wholesome, no unwholesome, good and evil. And one, uh, and in the sutra, um, the venerable Kachana, Kachana, Kachiyana. Ask the Buddha, Dear Buddha, you talk about right view. What is right view? What is exactly right view? We know right view is one of the eight noble noble paths that brings happiness. And it starts with right view. And then right thinking. And that day, the Buddha gave a very brief answer. The Buddha said, Dear Ka- Kachyana, right view is a view that transcends the idea of being and non-being. And so if we say the moon and the stars are being, it's incorrect. If you say the moon and the stars are non-being, then it's incorrect. If you say the moon and the stars are are wholesome, are good, that's incorrect. If you say they're evil, that's incorrect either because they transcend the idea of being and non-being, good or evil. (coughs) And in manifestation only teachings, we see very clearly that the, the, the nature of store consciousness is neither wholesome nor unwholesome. And our five skandhas form feelings, perceptions, mental formations, consciousness. It's their nature are neither wholesome or unwholesome, being or non-being, just like the stars and moon. And so the the thing that we need to do right now is that when we look at the nature, the characteristics of the seeds, it has to go, it has to be the same um, nature, characteristics of uh, consciousness, store consciousness. 
Store consciousness is shining bright, just like the stars and moon, and we have to practice or look deeply so that this light can can help us to see the way out of um, out of um, ideas and notions. And in manifestation only teaching, we say that seeds. Seeds. One of the characteristics of seeds is that it's impermanent on a in a millisecond. That is changing in milliseconds. That seeds. In science, they they called it the fabric of reality, which are the material that makes makes the universe. And in manifestation only teachings, we say seeds. We can say that they are subatomic particles. We can say that they are fields of forces. We can say that they are uh, strings, as in the string theory. Their substance that makes the universe, the fabric of uh, the universe, and in manifestation-only teachings we call them seeds. They are the the latent uh, energy that manifests, that create stars and moons and everything. And seeds are in store consciousness. They have the same characteristics. Of store consciousness, they are neither wholesome nor unwholesome, neither pure nor impure, and and the um, and shakna yig mean that they are changing in a millisecond. Shakna is the smallest uh, measurement of time; it's it's smaller than a millisecond because store consciousness. Is is described as uh, changing, con- uh, continuously changing. Chuying is changing. They're they're not static. Uh, they're they're changing. They're they're being born and died in every in every millisecond. They're there, but they're changing all the time. So the seeds are like that. They're changing all the time. In in. Milliseconds, but this this word "yik," which means uh, um, death, uh, can 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 create misunderstanding. We have to help. We have to help people to 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 um, break through this misunderstanding. And so, instead of saying "yik," which means death, we say "vô thường," which is impermanent. Which is the changing, changing in milliseconds. Why is it like that? Sagna yig. Because when we say that there is death, then there is birth. But the nature of soul consciousness is neither birth or death. So we can say sagna yig, which is uh, dying in every millisecond, but. Uh, 
for example, our body, in every second, there's always changing. It's always changing. There are cells that are dying. There are cells that are being born in every second. Even though there's birth and death, but it's just a, a process of changing, a series of changes. Just like the cloud. When we look at the cloud, we think that the cloud is just there, static, but it's actually changing in milliseconds. The clouds are made of very small drops of water, very, very small drops of water. So small, so, and it's, it's so, it's so small that it's light, that it floats up, and that it's very dynamic. It's moving dynamically, and when several drops of come together, that becomes a big, bigger, bigger drops, and it be, and with the cold, it comes down. It falls down. It falls down, but when it reaches to a warmer atmosphere, it, it evaporates again. It comes up as clouds again. And so, and seeds are like that. That is changing in millisecond. We think that the cloud is static, is unchanging, but it's changing. Only when many seeds come, come together, that becomes heavy enough that it falls down as rain. But, but just two drops, when they come together, they come down, but then they can be evaporated again with the, with the heat. Just like in, in, and many of them can come together and they can be so powerful, their energy can be so powerful that it can become like thunder, lightning. And so if, if slow consciousness is continuously changing as a theory, then the seeds are also changing in millisecond. And the second thing is, the, the, the fruit, the fruit and the, um, the, the cause and the effect are born together, are manifesting together. So, the, so the seed and its manifestation are happening together. For example, the H2O, it becomes clouds, rain, or snow, then the H, but the H, the H2 represents the seeds. And these things are formations. Rain, clouds, snow are formations. And so when H2 manifests as cloud, H2O continues in the cloud. So the cause always go together with the effect. That's what it means, guaco, that coexistence, coexistence between cause and effect. Guaco, that's what it means.
When H2O becomes rain, in rain there is H2O. Though you cannot take the cause of the effect. And this is the second characteristic of seed. So, the idea that cause and effect can, uh, can exist separately, and this is not very scientific, that cause and effect cannot exist without one another. In the cause, there is the effect. In the effect, there is the cause. Just like when, we, when, when the clouds become the rain, then the rain also carries H2O just as the cloud. That's called coexistence between cause and effect. The third is Hang Dui Juying, continuously changing in a series, in series. Which is, which is, uh, which is a characteristic of of store consciousness. Always, it always continues as a series. That it can continue as way as a series, even though it's changing in every millisecond. But the changing is not. Um, It, it goes along with the law of cause and effect, and so it, it, there's no self, but there is a series, a continuous series. Shaknavodhu, um, the changing in millisecond means that there is no self, no separate self, no separate identity, no absolute identity. Because it changes every millisecond, so it does not keep its identity. Just like Katyayana said, oh, just like this, <laughs> just like um, th- that we cannot swim in the ocean twice in the river because we think it's the same river, but it's not no longer the same river because. That river has no identity. It does not. It has a name. It has a name like uh, the Mark River or Sin, but it's only a name. But the water in it is not the same water anymore. It's called Hang Dui Juying, changing, changing continuously in a series, even though it's. Even though it's changing in millisecond, but it's continue as a series. The, because it changes in a series, we think that there's a separate self, but there really there's no separate self. There's a name for it. It means tung tok min, continue, continuing, samtati. This uh, millisecond impermanence in Buddhism, uh, impermanence in Buddhism, there are two kinds of impermanence. One is called uh, impermanent millisecond, millisecond impermanent, and the other one is called uh, 
one instant millisecond, one instant impermanence. For example, here is the life, a lifespan of a person, a place where the person is born, a place where the person dies. And this, imp- this impermanence does not wait until the death of the person to see the impermanence. It's called nikki, one-time impermanence. But every seconds, every milliseconds along the way until, until that one time impermanent, it's called shakna bhutthu. That means impermanence in milliseconds. Periodic, periodic, a periodic impermanence, and this one is momentary impermanence. So, two kinds of impermanence. But if we use the example of of a lifespan, where a child is born, and when she becomes a a teenager, when she becomes a teen. She reached puberty, and so when we see this, this, uh, this teen, we see that it's very different from the infant, from the, the baby. It's as if the baby had died, so that the teen can manifest. So this, the time between uh, she's born until she becomes a teen, it's one. It's it's a periodic impermanence. It's one period. When we look at her, the form, her form, we see that the the babe, the the child, this this teen, is very different from when she was a baby. So. So apart from the momentary impermanence, there is periodic impermanence and, and um, store consciousness is also known as yitok, that means maturation, it matures. That is it's changing from a child to a teen and from a teen to a young adult, from a young adult to a adult until uh, she becomes an old old person. These are called uh, these are called periodic impermanence, period, period, different periods. And so, in the nineteen verses of of 
the thirty verses, we say that if one maturation ends, then another maturation、um, is born or continues. Usually, in in popular Buddhism, we think that we live、um, this whole life until we die, and then we we re, we will be reborn into a different life, re reincarnate into a different life. But the truth is that we can see that we this reincarnation. Reborn is taking place in every millisecond. That a baby is reborn as a teen. A teen is reborn as a young adult. The young adult is born into adult, and the adult is born into a a grown up. This is called、um, reborn, being reborn in millisecond,、uh, ripening in milliseconds. For example, the cloud in the sky. It can become rain.、Uh, the tenth part of it, the tenth, one tenth of it, but nine tenth of it is still a cloud. So therefore, the cloud does not wait when it when it's no longer cloud that it reborn. As as、um, as rain, that a part of the cloud has already uh, has uh, become rain or snow already. So for us, it's the same thing. We we don't wait until our body disintegrates that we reborn or reincarnate. That we are being reborn in every millisecond. And the cloud looks down, and she sees that part of her is becoming rain. And it see, it looks down, and it sees her continuation in the cloud, while she is still a cloud. So we have to look deeply, not to be afraid that only when we come, that on that we only. Uh, re continue,、uh, reborn, continue when we our body is disintegrate, but our body is is re reborn in milliseconds. That we are being reborn in milliseconds, just like a tree.、Uh, there are fruits that are ripe before others, and we can, for example, the kiwi or orange or apple. There's some fruits that are ripen before the others. And we can pick the ripe one to eat. And there's some that are still green. There's some that are just turning, turning color, becoming ripe. And so when we said mature maturation, they are the seeds are the they are maturing at a different time. They're maturing at different time. And that different kinds, different varieties, are ripen at different times. 
Yitok maturation is uh, store consciousness. It's the consciousness that continues. So as a practitioner, we have to see clearly that we are continuing. Our words, our thinking, that our actions that we create every day, that we think every day, they are on its way of continuing. That is continuing us, that we are not just this body. We are the things that we created, our actions. We are our karma. And we have to look deeply and not to get caught in the idea that we are just these five skandhas. We have to look in front of us and we see us. And we look back, we can see us. We can have to see our continuation, our thinking that we, we, we generate, the, the speech that we say, actions that we create are our karma. They have already, uh, they have already ripened. They have already uh, continuing around us, and so the sentence in the the verse in nineteen nineteen the verse nineteen that when one maturation ends, then another maturation continues. And this, um, this first, this can create misunderstanding that there is a self. There's a self that uh, exists from birth until death. We have to readjust. We have to adjust this first. The f- okay, so the first, this first say that the first maturation ends, then the second maturation continues. We have to adjust that ver- that line, that that it matures er- in every millisecond. In our fifty verses of uh, manifestation only teachings, it adjusts this un- this this understanding. In the thirty fifth uh, verse in the 50 uh, verses of manifestation-only teachings. This is enough for today. <laughs>